My name is Wade. I'm uh, one of the pastors here along with Tom. And um, quick note, uh, this is not like the most important thing happening, but our own interim pastor, Pastor Tom, he was just CrossFit certified this week. So, <laughs> woo! So he, he just made a face at me. <laughs> he, he, um, but he can train you guys now. So, um, so like, like Sammy said, today is a family service. So today is going to be, uh, every like five or six weeks, we'll do a family service, which is we all... Uh, sit and serve together with the kids, and I'm going to uh, invite the kids up to sit uh, here. I don't know if we have enough chairs, but if there aren't enough chairs, we'll just you guys can sit up here. So, if you guys um, are uh, old enough to come sit up here, please join us. And let me give you guys, for those of us who have not uh, been here like regularly, some rationale for why we're doing it. Uh, one of the reasons why we're doing this is because our our, ch- our children's ministry volunteers um, they work really hard and. Um, we, this is a chance for them to get a little, little bit of a break every uh, several weeks. Um, the other reason is, well, there's more reasons. I'm not going to list them all, but um, the children are a part of our church. Um, they're not just some side thing. Um, we have covenant children here, meaning that they are they are members of this church. That the promises that God made to us also apply to our children. This is one of the cool things that we believe as Presbyterians. And um, you may you may over the course of the service they may be making noise, they may be rustling, they may be running around. And um, this is not by design, but this is what life is like. And um, I, one of the things about children, just what, if they're crying, if they are, um, if they seem restless, if they seem like a distraction, um, the same thing that's happening in this room is probably the same thing that's happening in your hearts. Um, I bet you guys, some of you guys feel this restlessness or you feel like crying sometimes. And these children express things that we as adults have learned to hide. But um, I think it's awesome that we can, that we have a church that will accommodate these children and you guys love them. Um, you guys probably love the adults, some, some of us as well. So thank you guys for being a part of the service. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to give them a uh, short, we call it a homily, which is a fancy way of saying like short sermon. Um, so I'm going to talk to them. Uh, with a from from a text, not today's text in Ephesians, but from First Timothy, and it's to um, it's related to what we're speaking of uh, speaking about during the sermon. So, are you guys cool? You guys ready to begin? Just give me like a few minutes. All right. So, um, I'm also going to ask for a few volunteers because we've got a prop. So, if I could get like three or four people who are willing to like help me size size these little crowns right here. Does this look familiar? Burger King. So, um, can I get like three or four people? Because it might take some time to like help size, but can I get like just can I get uh, TJ and um, Daisy? You're, you raise your hand, Joanna. Joanna, come on up. John Ward, uh, Papa times two now. So congratulations. All right. Um, so yes, for everyone. So you guys are gonna get crowns. So as you guys get fitted for these crowns, we're talking about Jesus as King today. Um, so this 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 is. What, do you guys know what, what kings and queens wear on their heads? A crown, perfect. And they usually don't wear Burger King crowns, but this is what I was able to find. <laughs> I went to Burger King in San Leandro and asked, like, hey, can I get 25 crowns? So let me, let me read you guys something, okay? So there is a, a verse in chapter in Second Second Timothy, and this is what it says. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. And 
Do you guys do you guys know this word rain? Do you know what it means? Someone should, yeah, uh, Rachel Lee. A period of time where someone rules. Put very well. Thank you, Rachel Lee. So the, the, the Bible verse here is telling us Jesus, he is a king that reigns, but he's not the only one that reigns. Those of us who follow Jesus, those of us who, who, who find our life in him, the Bible says that we will also reign. Cool? Alright, so, you guys are looking good. I think, um, you guys are almost all, all there. So, I'm gonna let you guys, your crowns get settled onto your heads. And, and, uh, I wanna, wanna share it with you guys just, um, kind of like something, something called biblical history. Alright. So, do you guys know who the first, um, man and woman were? In history? Adam and Eve. And they were given a task. They were given a task by God to, Rule over nature to to this word we use to have dominion over it meaning to um, make use of it for to for, to help nature thrive and also to uh, be named animals and God t- gave them the the responsibility of ruling over um, everything around them but did they do a good job no they didn't do a good job right in Genesis chapter three it tells us it tells us that they sinned against God and they failed they were supposed to carry out this. Um, this task as kings, as a king and a queen over nature, and they failed. And then in the Bible, as we go through the Old Testament, we see more people that are given this task to be a king. But in the, if, I don't know if, if you guys remember, but then, um, what happened to all the kings in the Old Testament? Um, they, so there were some good ones, there were a lot of bad ones. None of them could fulfill their task as a king, uh, completely. So, in the New Testament, there's, Who's, who's the main figure in the, New, in the New Testament? Jesus, yes. So Jesus, he is given this task that all the kings in the before him were not able to fulfill. So Jesus, we're going to hear about this in just a moment, but then Jesus is a king. And the Bible tells us, the verse that I just read, it says, If we endure, we will also reign with him. And one day, uh, we're, we're, the Bible tells us we will judge Angels, just like Jesus is going to judge angels. You guys will act like kings and queens. Um, but not just that, but even today, we have this power, like Uncle Sammy said earlier, we have this Holy Spirit power that's given to us where we, we have power to do things as kings and queens or princes and princesses, princes and princesses, which is we can have, um, we can rule over our, the, the sin in our lives because sin is no longer a master Jesus is. Um, and we can live lives that please God. This is the power that we have. We have this title as kind of like kings and queens, this power. So Jesus is the ultimate king, and we're going to hear more about him in just a moment. But you guys also can think of yourselves as you guys have the task of kings and queens as well. And one day you will do this. You will do things that Jesus is doing as king. You will be judging the angels. You will you will be reigning with him. So this is the promise of the Bible, okay? So I'm going to close it off. I'm going to say the, say these words, and you guys, can you repeat after me? All right, so this is from 2 Timothy, and you can go over this with your parents later. Repeat after me. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Cool. All right, so you guys uh, think about that. You guys can enjoy your, your crowns. Thank you, guys. All right, you guys can go back there with your parents. You don't want to wear this? All right.
I'm uh, totally sweating right now, so excuse me. <laughs> All right, so now I will invite uh, Wendy up to read today's scripture. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Wendy. Pastor Tom and I are going through a series in First Thessalonians, and uh, we're, we're going to put that on pause for just a moment, for just this week, because we never finished our Benefits of the Resurrection series, which I think the last time we preached in that was maybe like five or six weeks ago, so... Um, we're going to conclude that series today. And the last time um, we were speaking about this, we were talking about the threefold offices of Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. We talked about Jesus as a prophet and of the priest. And this is in the context of the ascended Jesus. So um, the benefit of the re- resurrection. First off, Jesus did not just raise from the dead. Jesus did not just raise from the dead, but he also ascended into heaven. And what we've been talking about as we were uh, nearing the end of our last sermon series was that Jesus carries out three tasks as a, as a prophet, priest, and king. The, this is his role. These are the offices that he fills. And today we're going to talk about Jesus as king. So when you see your kids with the uh, the crowns later, you can tell them what what it is that a, the king does. Um, but what I want to do today is I just want to talk about this final office of Jesus as king. And what does it mean for us as a church? What does it mean for us as followers of Jesus? So let me begin our time with this question. What does it mean to be ruled well? What does it mean to be ruled well? Or, um, I don't know if we use the word rule a whole lot in um, everyday language, um, because maybe it's a product of us being in a democracy, um, or just our individualistic uh, ways of looking at ourselves. But what does it mean to be ruled well, or to be led well, or to be governed well? What does it look like for either a kingdom, or a country, or a state, or whatever it is to be led and ruled well? And you can think about that. 
and you might have in your mind, here is someone who is fill in the blank, smart or powerful or savvy, wise, loving. That's a person you have in your mind, perhaps. And here is what I'm going to put before you, which is all things require a ruler. Nature requires a ruler. If you have a messy backyard, if you have weeds growing up, growing in your backyard, um, someone needs to, in a sense, rule over those things. Countries require a ruler. Cities, homes, organizations, corporate organizations, private organizations, religious organizations, civic organizations, charitable organizations require a ruler. Homes, families require a ruler. And we ourselves require a ruler. We all need someone or something to give us direction. We need someone to tell us, this is how things go. And for some of us, we may have decided, I am that person. Um, Well, you do have a king, it's yourself. You do have a queen, it's yourself. And as Americans, this idea of kings and queens, this might seem antiquated. So, God bless America, we defeated the British in the uh, 1700s, right? Um, But the general principle is the same. We no longer have a king or queen over us, but we have uh, rulers, elected rulers. As a democracy, we have a... We have governors and presidents and mayors and fill in the blank. We need someone, some something to rule over us. This has been the case since the very beginning. In the Bible, what I spoke to, to the children, that in Genesis, Adam and Eve, they're given a task to be rulers of their surroundings. They're given the task of giving order to the space that they inhabited. But what did they do? They failed. They rebelled against God. And the history, history of the Israelites, the Israelites, they see the other nations. They have kings. And they say to God, God, it's not enough that you rule us. We want kings like the other nations. So God says, okay, I'll give you a king. But it's going to come with a catch. It's going to cost you dearly. This is the warning that's they're given through the prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel. So God gives them kings, and God says, okay, this is how it's going to be. You will have kings, but there are four things that these kings must be, four tasks that these kings must carry out. First, they have to be, or not, not some carried out, but there's something that they have to be. They have to be chosen by God. So God who is sovereign, God who is wise, he chooses these kings for the Israelites. The second thing is the kings where they were called to rule. They were called to give, uh, to govern over their kingdom. They were to be God's agents to mediate their orders. And the king was to rule with justice and righteousness. The kings were to protect their kingdom. The kings were to defend their nations. The third thing, kings were to follow the Lord. They were called to delight in the law of God because where does this concept of justice, where does this concept of righteousness come from? It comes from the law of God. And the leaders of the Israelites, the kings, they were tasked, you are to be a spiritual example for your people. You're to be wise. You're to be one who fears God. You're to keep his commandments. The kings were supposed to be these things. And finally, the kings were supposed to bless the nations. They were supposed to bless the people that they that were under them. 
They were supposed to serve the people with wisdom and justice and authority and righteousness that was given to them by God. They were supposed to be a blessing, not as tyrants, but as someone who loves their people. And in this way, the kings will represent God because God rules over his people with goodness and kindness and wisdom. So these were the things the kings were supposed to be. But guess what? As you read through the Old Testament, king after king after king fails. None of them carry out all these tasks perfectly. Even the best kings, toward the end of the reign, they would they would worship idols or they would fall away or their, their, their children, they would turn against God. No one had a perfect track record, although, although there were good kings in the history of the Israelites. But none of the kings of Israel could live up to these requirements. So in the Old Testament, we have pictures of failure and failure and failure. And then in the New Testament, we're given another type of king. The king that we worship here at IGC, Jesus Jesus, he has this power and authority. We see in the Gospels, he exercises his power by, by healing people, by performing miracles, by speaking words with authority that no one had ever heard or had felt before. So Jesus, here he is, um, doing the things that the leaders and rulers of the Old Testament could not do. Yet at this time, he was not yet a king. And let me go back to this ascension, this concept of the ascension. Jesus raising from the dead, and he's ascending into heaven. And this is important for us to remember, that Jesus ascended from, after he rose from the, from the, from the dead, because the ascension was the beginning of the beginning of Christ's rule as a king. So let me give you an example. So um, if you guys have seen Lion King before, uh, there's... Who's the, the little lion, right? His his dad is the 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 king of um, I forgot the land, but um, his what's his dad's name? It's a uh, Mufasa, right? So there's Simba, and there's Rafiki, the little baboon, and um, so after Mufasa passes away, dies, Rafiki holds up Muf, uh, Rafiki holds up Simba as this is your future king, and the story of the Lion King is him being thrown into exile and finding his way back to his homeland and fighting the enemies. And this whole time, he was recognized by many as the king. But he was not yet the king. After the his evil uncle, King Scar, is disposed of, tore, around this time, Rafiki, he, he the same... It was Rafiki that held up Simba, right? I'm not getting my Disney uh, movies right. Um, after Rafiki, he he sees what has happened, and it's time for Simba to become the king. And what does he do? He points to Pride Rock. He says, and the idea is that Simba needs to go upon Pride Rock and look over the kingdom. And this is when Simba becomes the king of the land. This is, in effect, the ascension of Simba to become the king. He's not installed as a king until he ascends Pride Rock. And for Jesus, Jesus, although he was recognized as the king by many already, he was not fully the king. His, his, his title as a king was not fully realized until he was ascended. So Jesus, he went into the clouds, but that is not all that happened. 
he's fulfilling his office as the king. So Jesus, right now, the Bible tells us he's sitting on the right hand of the Father. And this signifies a rule and authority. When he sits down, we're given this picture of Jesus, not as someone who is done with all his work, but someone who's done with his earthly mission, but it is still reigning from his throne. So Jesus, his work on earth was completed for a time, but now the Bible tells us he rules from heaven. And here at the right hand of the Father, he directs the affairs of the world from this position. The author, Patrick Schreiner, he, this is what he says about Jesus' role as king after the ascension. Christ entered into his appointed rule at the ascent. He took the seat reserved for him, thereby displaying Thereby displaying he conquered not only he conquered not only sin and death, but the spiritual forces of darkness. Though Adam had to descend from the mountain of God, Christ was brought up before God because he had done all the Father had asked. And listen to this. If the ascension had not happened, Jesus' royal authority would not have been confirmed. If the ascension had not happened, then Christ would not be in heaven ruling. If the ascension had not happened, the church would not be an entity. If the ascension had not happened, then no human would ever rule with God. If the ascension had not happened, Christ would not have been installed as Lord. Because the ascension happened, Jesus' royal authority is confirmed. Jesus not only lived and died and rose from the grave, Jesus also ascended. And this is what gives us the guarantee that Jesus really is reigning as king. So this is kind of a long intro. Um, I'm just going to spend the next few minutes. My, my goal is to keep this uh, sermon under 20 minutes. So um, let's see if we can do that. Well, now we're going to go into the text that Wendy read. And the text that I read to you, that Wendy read to you, is not, uh, it's, it's one long sentence. So this is why I didn't break it up. Um, this is, the, I think, the longest sentence in the, Old Test- in the New Testament. This is one big sentence that Paul writes to the Ephesian church. And he's telling the Ephesians, this is what I'm thanking God for. This is what I see happening in your church, and thank God it's happening. This is Paul recognizing what there is to praise God for, that the Spirit is doing a work in the Ephesian church. And I'm going to jump down. So Paul acknowledges these things, and I'm going to jump down to the final final verses of the passage. So Paul, in verse 20, Paul, he focuses on God's power, which is demonstrated in Christ. And Paul says, I want you to know the power of God. And let me explain to you how this power is expressed. First, the power of God raised Christ from the dead. It raised Jesus from the dead. The second, in verses 20 and 21, it says that the power of God exalted Jesus to the right hand of the Father. So this is the ascension. And the implications are this, that Christ is seated. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, which signifies lordship. It means that Jesus is Lord of all things. He's sitting on a throne, and he reigns forever on that throne. The second implication Paul gives us, that because Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, he has honor and he has power He deserves all the honor. He owns all the power and all the authority. And also, the third implication, because Christ is seated at the heavenly places, there is prominence. 
we said earlier in um, during the call to worship, Jesus is what's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and this is also re- repeated in the Book of Revelation. Jesus is a King of Kings and Lord of Lords, high above every other ruler that you can think of. Is Jesus every King, every Lord, every ruler, every president? Jesus is Lord over all of these men and women. Jesus is King over all of us. Jesus has been exalted, and this is what it means. Verse twenty-two. It tells us that Jesus, because he is raised and exalted, he is. All things are put in subjection to Jesus. Jesus is guaranteed a victory because everything gives an account to him. Jesus rules over all things. Some of you guys are sports fans, and for a season, your team will rule over the other teams. Or maybe if there's, they call it a dynasty, um, they might rule over all the teams for an extended season. But eventually, that rule will end. But for Jesus, this rule is never going to end. He will be exalted over all things. All things will be subject to him forever. And then verses 22 and 23. Jesus is not just Lord of all things, but he points specifically to the church. Jesus is Lord of the church. Jesus is Lord over us. Jesus calls the shots at Indelible Grace Church. And we submit to him. Paul, Jesus is head over all things. So this is what Ephesians is telling us. It's telling us a whole lot more. But I want us to focus on Jesus as the King of Kings today. Because it has massive implications for us. And I'm just going to end with these few things. The number one, Jesus is King over all things. And I know that if you read the news... There's a term we have now for those who use a phone. We call it doom scrolling. Uh, have you guys heard that? You just scroll through your phone, and it's bad news after bad news after bad news. And it's terrible, they say, for your mental health. You go to sleep stressed because the last thing you read is about how there has been war in Ukraine, or there's these natural disasters, or X, Y, and Z has happened. And how do you live in a world where everything is falling apart? You would fall apart if you did not believe that someone was in control. You would fall apart if you did not believe that ultimately justice and righteousness would prevail. And where do we find that hope? In Jesus Christ, because he rules over all things. Jesus is king over all things. This is not just a phrase for us to recite in church. This is a truth that all of reality is founded upon, that Jesus really is the Lord of Lords. And all the terrible things that you're going to see, all the terrible things that you, that will happen to you and to your family members, it doesn't mean that you need to minimize these things. It doesn't mean that you try to avoid them or distract yourself from the reality of those things. If you believe that Jesus is King, it means that you can stand up to whatever's happening. It means that you can endure like 2 Timothy 2 told us, if we endure with him, we will also reign with him. Jesus is king. This is the first implication. King over all things, even those who do not believe in him, even those who hate God, even those who don't believe in God. Jesus king over all 
things, all nations, all things in the universe. Jesus is king. The second thing is this. Jesus' kingship is spiritual. So, there are a whole lot of things happening in this world that you do not see or cannot experience with your senses. And we see things happening. We see people carrying out uh, their whatever their will is as rulers. Um, if you, even for us as Americans, whether or not you like the things that have been happening with the Supreme Court this week, whether or not you like what's happening with the Biden administration or whatever administration there is on Earth, whether or not you like it, they are making news. These things are making news, and we feel the effects of them. But Jesus, his rule as king is different in this. It's spiritual. It means not only is it something that we cannot see with our eyes, but it means that things are being done that cannot be done by force or power, not by legislation or by weapons. And this is really, really good news for those of us who have lost all hope in people. Because what is the most difficult thing to change in the whole universe? The most difficult thing to change in the entire universe is the human heart. And if you are married to someone, you know how difficult it is. And I mean it in all seriousness, because you see in your spouse, or in your children, or in your friends, why don't they get on the same page as me? Why don't they do X, Y, and Z? And we see in these people an impossibility that they can never change. But when we say that Jesus is king and that his reign is spiritual, it means that all the things that we put our faith in, psychology or economics or legal powers, all these things cannot change the human heart. But what does Jesus do? Jesus is the king of the heart of every human being. Jesus can change hearts. And let that be a hope for you. Let it be a hope for the people that you have around you. You probably have lost hope in certain people in your life. And you don't think that they will ever change. But Jesus is king of their hearts. And the final thing is this. Because Jesus is king over all things, it means that he deserves to be submitted to. How can we submit to Jesus? When we know that he loves us and he rules us with wisdom, then we will gladly submit to him, even when it hurts. And how do we know? King Jesus, and this is what we sang about in our songs that Nate led us in, This king died for us. We rebelled against the king, and yet the king gladly laid down his life for his subjects so that they would know him as, for Jesus as a brother, for God the Father as our Father, so that we can be completely righteous and that we can be free. This is what your king does for you. And if you know that he knows every single layer of your heart, every single thought that you have in your mind, if you knew that he knows every single situation that you will ever be in, and he works every single thing for your good, would you not submit to this king? Even when it hurts, even when it is painful, even when it's frustrating, would you not choose this king to submit to? 
because you will submit to something or someone. And all of history tells us that unless it's Jesus, you will be disappointed. Whether it be yourself or rulers or governors or your friends or your spouse or whatever it is around you, it's okay to give these things proper respect, to recognize their God-given roles, but they are not your king. Jesus is your king. And would you not submit to this good king who protects you and provides for you and loves you and rules with you, rules you with a heart of love? Let me close with this passage. And I'll end with this. This is speaking of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 2, starting with verse 7. You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, crowns, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now listen to this. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Do you see what this text is telling us? It's telling us that your king tasted death for you so that you would not ultimately die. And the text tells us, Right now, we don't see everything in subjection to him. Thus, all the chaos and violence and terrible things we've seen in the world. We don't see it yet, but it's true. Jesus is ruling over all these things. And he's crowned with glory and honor. And he's reigning from the heavens. He's reigning over you and your impossible situation. Jesus is crowned with many crowns. We're going to sing that later. Is this not the king that you will worship? Will you pray with me? Father, we uh, thank you that you've given us this good king. This good king that we could never imagine on our own. And he's better than anything we could have dreamed up or imagined. Here is a king who loves us and cares for us and has laid down his life for us. And if this is true, would we not give ourselves completely to him? I pray that this would be true of us at Indelible Grace Church. And God, would you receive all the glory and honor from us that you deserve? We pray this in the name of our King Jesus. Amen.